Welcome to another episode of Power Move Makers. This series was created with a simple goal in mind, to bring to the table high-level executives, successful entrepreneurs, and just all-around inspiring human beings. Not just focusing on their success, but more important, shining a spotlight on the road they traveled to get there. Now, this week's guest, he's an old friend. He is somebody who... He's doing incredible things in the music industry. He is a music industry executive. He's an attorney. He is somebody that is really helping to bring back the sales in the music game. Please welcome the CEO of Audit War, Mr. James McMillan. James, what up, brother? What's up, my brother? What's up, Prez? Great to see you, man. I'm so proud of you and everything that you've been doing with Power Moves, man. It's really, really, really impressive, brother. Really, really impressive. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much, James. Um, you know, we come to a point in our lives where, you know, for me, it's not about Sean. It really is about my legacy and how much I can give back to the world. So I applaud you. Right. Thank you for taking time out of your day to really just share so much of your wisdom and your insight with our audience and our you know, people who tune in every week because they want to learn. They want to one day be able to be in your position. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks you. Thank you for having me. Okay. So the first thing I got to talk about, and, and this is dope, right? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm used to James McMillan and, and, yeah, and maybe I'm dating myself. I'm, I'm used to James McMillan suited and booted, cuff yeah. links, close <laughs> cut, Super duper, like sharp. <laughs> when I look at the attorney James McMillan now, like yeah. you, you done grew the hair out. Yeah. No, no suits. Like <laughs> this is dope because it just it, it goes to show. And I want to hear about the transition and we'll get into it. Like what yeah. made you? Because every time I saw you, you was sharp, like super sharp as a tack. But so, so, so that was that was um that it was intentional. Okay. Right? It was intentional because um, when I came, when I graduated, I, I, when I graduated from law school, I came to New York and I worked for Ed Woods and Reggie Osei, and 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 they were in partners. You know, I was basically working for all of them. It was Ed, Reggie, Matt Middleton, and and Ian Niles. I was working in, a, in an office with all of those cats, and they had been practicing, you know, for a long time. And they, you know, they were basically. I was a law clerk, so they were they were mentoring me in in this space, in the entertainment space, in large part. And they were, you know, amazing mentors because at the time that 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 uh, I started working for them, there was like a really special time period where like everybody they were representing some of any and everybody in hip hop. Remember, they were representing all the post producers, all the hitmen. Uh, Matt had DMX and Shine and. And um, DMX in his prime when he released those first two two albums that would that would just you know let the lit the world on fire. Ed and and Reggie had you know Kelly Price and Chico DeBarge and <clears throat> just a gang of people, man. But they were so casual. And I went to a law school that I was um, that you know we were always considered an underdog, Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas, and uh, and so. I um I came to New York and all my guys were like you know the guys I was working for were super casual you know because that was that's, that was the business that we're in yeah you know and they got along with their clients and they spoke to their clients at eye level and and everybody it was a mutual respect but I wanted to stand out so intentionally I would wear my suits almost twenty four hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would wear my suits 24 hours a day. And in my office, like I, I really didn't even have an office. I was sitting in uh, like a damn near a broom closet inside their office, you know, cause you know, when Manhattan is, is, is like, you know, space is, is limited. Yep. So my office was literally a closet and right behind me in my same office was the copy machine and right above me was the microwave. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I, I looked apart until you came to the office and you'd be like, and then I had the sliding doors, like they, had, they used to slide the doors on me and crack jokes, but it all worked out in the end, man. I, I really, you know, appreciated that. But uh, yeah, the, the, the whole like image of it was, was intentional to try and make sure that everybody saw me as a professional, a young black professional in the business. Now you always presented yourself as <clears throat> extremely, extremely professional. There was no way to miss that you were definitely an attorney and you were about your business. Even though you were super cool, you right. always, always looked the part. Before I move the interview along, I want to take a step back because you, you came in the game during uh, the, the golden era and you right. mentioned some key names that I really want to highlight because to you and me, we know Ed Woods. Uh, yeah. We know Reggie Osei, uh, Matt Middleton, um, mm -hmm. Ian Niles. But can mm -hmm. you educate our audience on who these guys were and the significance of these attorneys during this time in hip hop? I, 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 I want to really put, because you guys were, you got y'all was special. Like y'all was special in the game. Whereas there were so many people in the industry, and they they were somewhere in front of the camera, somewhere behind the camera, working like myself in promotion and marketing, <clears throat> A and R. But you guys really brought a new persona to law. Y'all were the cool young lawyers. Okay, so everything I got in terms of swag and persona and understanding on how to approach the business. I got that from Ed Woods, Matt Middleton, Ian Niles, and Reggie Osei. Those guys had been, you know, before I even came to New York, they had been, they had paved the way um, in specifically in hip hop. And they were known as the guys who could handle your affairs properly in hip hop. And they had learned their, their craft and they had learned everything that they knew from Louise West and Virgil Roberts and uh, other lawyers who had came before them, Bob Celestin, and they, you know, essentially, and really in New York, it was Louise. Louise kicked the door in and, and, and paved the way for a lot of black, young black lawyers to, uh, to learn the music business. And, and, and they did that through, you know, she did that through, through her, um, through her uh, mentorship program in her office and also um, as well as, you know, in, encouraging everybody to be a part of Beesler, which is the Black Entertainment Sports Lawyers Association. So um, we, I, you know, it was, it was a, a, you know, Beesla had an annual conference and they still do. They have an annual conference every year where everybody goes down to like, you know, tropical location and kind of talks about all the hot button legal issues that are going on in the, in the entertainment space. And so <clears throat> from there, you, um, you know, you network and, and kind of get to know uh, all of the players in, in the music business. And that's, that's generally how I came up and how I learned the business. But uh, again, to your point, I came in at a very special time. Timing was really important, right? I couldn't have planned it any better because I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that it was going to happen that way, but it just happened in, in a way where when I came to New York, Ed and Reggie had just started their office maybe like a year or two ahead of that, uh, a year or two before I got there. 
and they represented, they were, you know, in tune with all the young, hot, you know, hip hop talent that was coming up, whether it was Day, uh, Jay and, 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 and Dame or Puff or, um, or um, Un or like, you know, um, just name they had it. Mary J. Blige as well. Yeah, they had, I mean, they had all kinds of people. They had, you know, they had everybody. Yeah, they had everybody, man. I remember doing contracts. I remember doing a management contract, or it, was, it might have been a production deal for D Dot to sign um, to sign uh, Kanye West. And I was, you know, everybody was like, "Yo, how do you how do you pronounce pronounce this kid's name?" You know, <laughs> it was like, "Yo," it was just you know, but everybody knew he was special, supposedly from from Chicago. And and um, it was like, you know, but Dot knew who he was, and Dot had, had found him early. And was involved with him early, but I, I'll never forget that. And I look back at those times. I look back at some. I can still have some of those agreements. And I look back at it. and I'm like, wow, like you know, the the, the level of, and you know, so the amount of people that we came across and we did work for, um, and helped, and were just a small part in their in their um, climb to success was was a you know was very impressive. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a very special time. I think that um, you know, seeing you guys represent another side of the game, even for somebody like myself, it was very inspiring because you guys moved, you, you, you're young. You move like young guys. What, what, what anybody's perception of what a lawyer was, you guys weren't that. You did the work, you were extremely effective. You were mm -hmm. representing some of the hottest talent in the game, but you still were able to communicate and just move with all of the executives. So it almost felt like a family back then. And before we move the interview, I want to shout out and, and, and give a RIP to um, Ed Woods and definitely Reggie Osei. Many people don't yeah. realize a large part of why I'm doing what I'm doing is because mm -hmm. of Reggie. I don't even think I've ever told this story online before or on camera. Uh, mm -hmm. Reggie, most people would know him as calm. If you're in the industry, obviously you know him as Reggie Osei, but the general public would know him as Combat Jack. And mm -hmm. I remember sitting down with him and um, him just telling me how he done everything he can do in law. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he, he was like, it's Sean, I love law. I did everything I can do with him. And, and yeah. now I just want to chase my passion. I want yep. to do something that inspires me and wakes me up in the morning. And I'll never forget, because we sat down and we had lunch outside of Bryant Park many, many years ago. And he was telling me, he said, Sean, these podcasts, they're going to be huge one day. And he was literally on the front line of podcasting. Yep. So RIP to, to Reggio saying, like I said, him and, and just that conversation and so many others that we had over the years about just following mm -hmm. your passion and, and not being afraid to, to take a bold step where people might not know you. People knew him as a lawyer. And part right. of the reason he came up with the name um, Combat Jack was to create this whole new persona. Yeah. But he, he, I, I look at him and I'm inspired by him and, and the work that he's done. And it really encouraged me because so many people know me from music industry and <laughs> marketing promotion. So to jump into the camera, do stuff like this, a lot of it comes from him. You said that you knew those guys. How did you know them? Did you guys know each other from law school? Did you go to college? Did you grow up together? What was your affiliation with those guys before you come into New York? So, so me and Ed went to college together. Me and Ed graduated from Hampton University together. And 
when we graduated, <clears throat> we both went to law school. He went to Howard and I went to Texas Southern University, but I didn't matriculate through, through, through TSU um, initially. I, um, I ended up uh, uh, flunking out of school, out of law school. And, and, uh, and then I ended up having to wait out for two years and go back, uh, going back to school and, uh, later on. And so by the time, but me and Ed always stayed, stayed in contact. So Ed matriculated through law school. So he was uh, like maybe two years ahead of me now. In law, uh, uh, when he graduated, he'd been practicing two years ahead of me. And he and I had always stayed in, in contact when he was in school and I was out of school. I would, you know, drive up to DC, you know, help him out, you know, at different times, you know, whatever he was dealing with, you know, that, or, you know, cause he's a, he was a student at the time. He wasn't making any money. So if I could help him, I would. And, um, and we just stayed fly, you know? So by the time I graduated from law school, um, I had been working at a law firm in, in Texas. And, um, and I was like, you know, I had, I had a, a felony on my record um, from, from, you know, uh, a long time ago, you know, from during that time period when I had to sit out. <clears throat> so I couldn't take the Texas bar. So I ended up taking the New York bar. And um, cause I, those were the only two bars that I could take. I could either want to take New York or California. And so I took, took the New York bar, I passed it the first time. And I, I called Ed and I, call, I remember I called Reggie and I was like, yo, you know, I, um, I need to find out if I passed the bar. I'm not certain if I passed, can you let me know? And he, you know, at the time they were printing the, the, the passage, the, the people who passed the bar in the New York Law, law Journal. And, um, and we were in a law building, in a building uh, called the New York, was it, uh, the Lincoln Building in Midtown and they had a law library and, and, and Reggie was like, all right, let me go to the law library. I'm gonna let you know, call back in like 20 minutes. So I called back to the office in like 20 minutes and he was like, uh, <clears throat> all right. He was reading and he was like, hmm. He was like, all right, what's your, what, how you spell your last name? I was like, it's McMillan. And he was like, right, McMullen, uh, McDougal. Like he, he just, he just, and then he was like, oh, uh, he was like, no, how you spell it? I was like, yo, Macmillan, man. He was like, yeah, oh, oh he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, here, you passed. And I was like, yo, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yo, but I was in Texas and I, but that, so that was part of the dilemma. I knew I needed to pass the bar, but the second part of the dilemma was I was working at a law firm and they had expected me to take the Texas bar. I didn't take the Texas bar, I took the New York bar. So then I think when they found out I took the New York bar, they let me go. And I was like, yo, guys, what, what am I going, you know, I called Ed and Reggie. I was like, yo, I don't know, you know, um, I might be coming to New York. They was like, yeah, come to New York. We got you. Come to New York. We go, you can be our law, first law clerk, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, cool, bet. So I packed up my stuff, drove to New York from Houston, got to New York. And then um, first thing, uh, first, first negotiation that I learned was like, they were like, yeah. So I was like, so. They were like, yeah, we're going to pay you $250 a week uh, or $250, 250 So I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, okay, when I got there, I was like, all right, so how, how am I getting paid bi-weekly? They were like, no, 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 you're getting paid $250 a week. So I was getting paid $250 a week. Chuck Bone at the time, I, it was, was, I knew him from before too, and he was gracious enough. He had a spare room at his, like he had a two-bedroom, and he wasn't using his second bedroom. He was like, you can stay in my second bedroom. Ended up staying in his second bedroom. And... Um, and so I was staying in Chuck's spare room and making 250 a week with Ed and Reggie uh, being their law clerk. And that's okay. how I started. There's so much about this story I gotta unpack. Yeah. And a huge part, when you agreed to come on the show, I was like, he's gonna help 
more people than he realizes because your story, you know, everybody wants to talk about I hope so. the destination, right? The destination, and this is for anybody who's watching this on video, anybody who's listening to this on podcast form, streaming it on iTunes, uh, any of the, 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 the streaming platform. The destination, it's great. Have that in your line of sight. Mm-hmm. But the journey, the journey is what, that's what, that's what the greatness is. That, that, that's where, when I listen to your story, and I, and, and, and I start to want to unpack it. I'm like, this is where you can help people because you just said, I'm an attorney. I passed the New York bar, which is one of the hardest bars to pass in mm-hmm. the country. You're obviously an extremely bright man, obviously. But you also said, I got a felony and flunked out of law school. Mm-hmm. We got to go back there because... People don't realize you can fall. You can hit some potholes. Your life does not have to be pristine, no matter what it is that you're going through. Mm -hmm. You can always pick yourself back up and say, today is a new day. It is a blank slate. It is a fresh start. And as long as I put my mind to it, I can achieve great things despite what my yesterday looked like. So number exactly. one, how did you, 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 you're bright. You passed the New York bar. How does a man who passes the New York bar first time flunk out of college? And did that uh-huh. felony have anything to do with it? No. So the first time I, I went to law school, I, um, I flunked out because I wasn't focused. It's real simple. And I, I, I want, first of all, I 100% agree with you like that it's imperative for us to share our stories as black men so that we can, there's other black men coming behind us, younger black men or other black men dealing with the same set of circumstances that, you know, for some reason or another, maybe, you know, may feel like that they want to give up. The one thing that um, I never did that I think that, I, that, you know, I've also heard like Jay-Z say is like he never gave up, like they just kept coming. You know, and I never gave up on my dream. I never gave up on the fact that I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer since I was 11 years old. Now, mind you, I made a bunch of bad decisions along the way that made my journey a little bit more difficult and challenging, but I never felt like it was unachievable, right? And, um, and I found, you know, I did the research, you know, to find, you know, ways to get around my circumstances. So I flunked out of law school. Uh, when I flunked out of law school, there's an ABA rule that says in order to go to an ABA accredited, American Bar Association accredited law school, you need to sit out for two years. So I sat out for two years. During that two-year time period, I went down to Virginia and I was uh, basically, you know, running around and going back to the, to the lifestyle that I kind of had a long time ago. I was, you know, in the college life and I was selling weed whatever and i had i got caught with a pound of marijuana um and i got convicted in virginia for, for possession of marijuana with intent to distribute right and um during that two-year time period that i had to sit out so i then went um you know prior to me getting actually actually getting convicted and pleading to um to the charge because they, they offered me they were like look you, you can either take the charge or you can go to trial we got you dead to rights 
you know, like your fingerprints are all on the bag and all of that. So I was like, all right. So I, I, um, I, I, I took, you know, a plea. Uh, and my plea was unsupervised probation for three years. And then during that three year time period, I, I went back to law school. But prior to me getting convicted, I, you know, I, I actually went, um, applied, reapplied to law school and, and, and asked the dean um, who of the law school, I had an interview with him and asked him if I could come back. And I acknowledged the fact that the first time I was there, I was immature. I was running around, I was 22, 22 years old. And I would have been out of graduated in, at, at 24, 25. And um, I just, you know, I was living life, man. I was in Houston for the first time. I was having a really good time. And that wasn't what I was there for. I was there to focus and, and, um, and hyper-focus on, on trying to be the best lawyer I could be, which school, I realized that, that, that flunking out of law school and going through the, the hardship of trying to overcome this felony, having this felony on my record was, um, was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because I was able to, uh, one, I, 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 I regained a confidence in myself that somewhere lost along the way, I kind of lost, right? And then uh, secondly, I, um, I, um, I, I learned that I needed to share my story. I learned a part of my purpose. Part of my purpose was to do this and to educate other young, young men, black, white, green, or yellow, who had come through similar circumstances, specifically my young black men, you know, who, had, who, who were consistently you know, told that they are not worthy or they are not as good as, and you know, they can't, they don't have the tools at their disposal to succeed. And, um, and I, you know, I try to share this with people as many times as I can that you all, everything that you want to do is right here in your mind. Everything that you can do is right here in your mind. If you believe you can, you can, right? And it'll happen. It's, you know, you, you know, like, you know, so nonetheless, that was my story. I, I, um, I, um, I, uh, I came, you know, I, I came back to, to New York and, um, and then I, I worked for the guys and I, then I became a lawyer and, and here we are. Okay. So there's a couple of things that stand out yeah. that I love. Number one, I love the fact that somewhere in that moment, you realize this happened for a purpose. It wasn't mm -hmm. random. Like, mm -hmm. like this needed to happen. Number one, I needed to get focused. And number two, I have to share my story. Right. This will help somebody in my future, even though you had not done great things at that moment. You realized at that time there was a purpose for what I went through. But I love right. the fact that you said you spoke to, and I think it's your dean at the college, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm no. wrong, where you took accountability. You yeah. own Look, I came down here. I was immature. You know, I'm, I'm a young man. It's my first time in Houston. Yeah. I, I own it. A hundred percent. I own this. Which I think so many people have to listen to that. Have to listen. It, it's you you can you can get over those bumps. Yeah. You cannot, yeah. you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. You can't no, you cannot fix the 100 percent You can't fix what you don't acknowledge, man. Like so so there's a, an accountability and there's a there, like there's there's a maturity that you have to do that I had to do personally. Part of that was acknowledging my faults, acknowledging where I went wrong and not, not trying to blame anybody else, not trying to say, well, you know, 
so-and-so gave me a test and they shouldn't have asked me this question. And if I had to did this, then you know, none of that, man. At the end of the day, you have to own it. And that was, that was the only reason I was able to become a lawyer as well. Like, because after I, I, um, I came to New York and I, I passed the bar, I still had to pass the moral character and fitness test. And what that means is, is that the, the bar, in order to become a, a lawyer in New York, there's two parts. One, you gotta pass the bar. The second part is you have to pass the moral character and fitness test, which basically means that they do a background check on you, right? And they ask you, they say, you have to submit a questionnaire and the questionnaire is, have you ever been convicted of a crime? If you have, tell us the circumstances and all of these th different things. So um, in that, in my statement, I had, you know, from my research, I realized, you know, I was afraid because I was like, okay, if I submit this, paperwork and I showed in I, I you know had this felony because I literally just got off probation when I graduated from law school so um if I submit this and I may, I may not be accepted so I actually hired a lawyer and I, I, I wanted him to represent me and I and he was you know he submitted the paperwork for me to get um to me for me to get an interview with uh with the New York State Bar and then um somehow or another maybe like a year had passed a year or two had passed and I still hadn't submitted my application. And one day, um, I was just like, you know what? I had an epiphany, man. I, was, uh, I, was, I just woke up at like four or five o'clock in the morning and I sat in front of the typewriter and I typed up my statement. I didn't send it to the lawyer. I sent it directly to the bar and I sent him a copy afterwards. And he was, you know, he called me, he was like, yo, what, you know, what, what's wrong with you? You're an idiot, you're, you know, you're gonna make our job harder, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for whatever reason, it was my truth and I needed to share it. And that's how I felt. And I submitted it. And I, and then maybe like a month or two later, I got a, a call and it was from the New York bar and they were like, okay, you gotta come to Albany. We have a, um, an interview set up for you. And I went to Albany, um, got there. I sat outside this room. It was like a, a, a like maybe like a line of people, um, not that many people, but maybe like 10 or 15 people sitting outside this room waiting to get interviewed. And, I didn't know what was going on at first because I thought it was just a normal interview process. But then I realized these must be the people with blemishes on their record that actually have, are coming here to talk because the people that were coming out of the room were like, you know, the people before me, I said, there was this older white woman that came that went inside and she came out and she was just bawling and crying and her family was like, what's going on? They were, she was like, you know, I got to try again. I was like, oh God, you know, so I was looking at it like, oh, this is going to be, you know, I I was prepared because I was at the, at the time I knew if I didn't pass this interview, I had I needed to submit an, an appeal to a three board panel, and um, so I was prepared to do that too. But I went to the interview room, and when I went to the interview room, the, the guy um, that interviewed me he was uh, the president of some bar association in upstate New York, and um, he he brought out my statement. He was like, you know, listen, I got a couple. He was like, I want to talk to you. I was like, what's going on? He was like. Um, I've never, never read a statement like this before. And I was like, you know, I just sat there and listened. He was like, I got one question. I was like, I was like, what is it? And he was like, um, are you, have you been practicing law without a license? I was like, no, not at all. And he was like, okay. And he just went on and he was like, you know, this, your story is so unique. He was like, you know what? Um, I, I really admire the fact that you took accountability for, you know, your mistakes and, 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 and I encourage you to share your story with other people. He was like, you know what? I think you'll be an excellent addition to the New York bar. And 
Um, the only thing is you must share your, your story with other people. And I was like, you know, I was like, thank you, sir. And, I, and that was it. I walked out and he said, go downstairs and you'll get sworn in. I went downstairs out of those 15 people. It was maybe like three people, three of us got sworn in that day. And when I tell you, this is back in the payphone days. So I walked out, walked around the corner, went to the payphone, called my parents and they were crying on the phone. But, but then I got my certificate to practice and I drove down to back down to Manhattan and went to Ed and Reggie's office. It was like, you know, and so I, we had a celebration. And um, yeah, so it was, it was uh it was a thing, man. But it was, but to your point, accountability is 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 key. And and I, I say I say that even to the people that I represent to this day. If I, you know, like, you know, especially these young men that that, are, that find like themselves in, in these kind of criminal circumstances. And you and I talked about Tay and 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 some of the other people, you know, some some other people that we know that come across these kind of circumstances and, and you're like, you, you try to help them where you can and tell them like, listen, part of it, part of you getting to where you wanna be is taking accountability for the things that you've done that may be holding you back, you know? And if you can't do that, you may not be ready to go to the next level, you know? And that's what it is. So that was my, that was my story, you know? Well. You got a beautiful story, very, very inspiring, very inspiring. And I'm so happy that you you shared it in its totality um, because that is really what's going to help this next generation, what's going to help somebody who thinks, damn, my past is going to, to adversely affect my future. Right. But accountability is one thing. Mm -hmm. I have to bring out another gem before I move this interview along. You hired an attorney to represent you. Mm -hmm. You wake up one morning, you call it an epiphany. Yes. I say, I, 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 you know, I'm a faith-driven man. Oh, it's God. In God. Yeah, 100%. You know, we all have this thing inside of us. Every one of us, we're born with it. Most times we choose not to listen to it. Call mm -hmm. it intuition, call it uh, internal GPS, call it whatever you want, uh, you know, whatever you, you choose to call it. But you wake up four or five in the morning yeah. and against the advice, actually you didn't even speak to your attorney. You go and write this letter. No. You send it out to the board and, and you put it all on the line and send your, you yeah. copy your attorney on it. Clearly, your attorney's like, you just made my job that much harder. You just, yep. what do you hire me for? Because I would have warned you against this. But it was that very thing that when you went to Albany and you're seeing person after person come out of that room and they're crying and now they got to go file an appeal or mm -hmm. they got to try again. It was that very thing because you trust God, because you trust that inner compass, that inner yes. voice, that thing that we all have. Yes. That was the thing that made the person on the other side say, you took accountability. Yes. You will make a great addition to the yes. New York bar. I yes. love that. Yeah, no, it's God, man. It's God. And, and, and there's no other way to say it. It's, it's God. I mean, because honestly, to your point, like, I, 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 you know, I was, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was, I, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was afraid, confused, all of those emotions. And then one day it just all came to me 
and I, it poured out over like over, over in a letter, like three or four pages, right? And and I just laid it all out, and 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 that was that. And I felt comfortable. And after that, I felt I did. I felt comfortable in my in my stance at that point. And I was like, okay, whatever, whatever happens is what's supposed to happen. And you know, to your point, like I, the first thing I did was I went to Ed and Reggie's office. The next thing I did, I went to the lawyer's office and got my um and got my money back. He, he, <laughs> he gave me, <laughs> we, you know, my, uh, we gave him like a $5,000 retainer or something like that. And I was like, you know, just take, you know, deduct the hours that you, you know, so far. And I got like, he gave me like 3,500. That was my first little $3,500. <laughs> good for you, McMillan, good. <laughs> yeah, God, God is good. It's a dope story and I definitely think it is going to help a lot of people. Okay. I hope so, brother. So, it's something else I want to talk, to, talk about because I, I, I'm really on this kick right now. Be great where you're at. Mm -hmm. Right where you're at. Be great. You yes. don't have to be the president of a, of a company. VP Stripes. You mm -hmm. don't have to be in that perfect position that you always dreamed about before you decide, I'm going to give it maximum effort. You right. told us passed the New York bar. I went back to New York and I sat with Ed and Reggie and I'm making $250 a week and I am in the equivalent of a broom closet. Yes. But in that broom closet, that's where you started doing your thing. And can you just speak to anybody who is giving a half-ass effort because they might not be in the position that they want to be in. So they're like, yo, I don't even want this job. I'm just doing it for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to give it 120% because it's not even what I want to be doing right now. Can you speak to the importance of going hard right where you're at, being great right where you stand? Yeah, 100%, man. I think, I think it's really critical because it goes back to your faith and, and your belief in what you want to be. I think it's really critical that anyone in life, in any endeavor you, you, you choose, you really take the time to think about and meditate on the fact that, that this is what you really want to do, right? In my mind, I had always wanted to be one of the greatest lawyers ever, right? In my mind, you know, this was during the Johnny Cochran era, Right when I the O.J. Simpson trial was was going on when I was in law school, right? It was my third year, so I had seen some of the best lawyering, in my opinion, that had ever existed. You know, so I saw Johnny give his, his you know his cross examination and his 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 uh, closing statements, uh, closing arguments. I saw F. Lee Bailey give his cross examination. Um, Robert Shapiro played his part. He just sat there and didn't do, you know, he, he, he you know, had the client together, him and, and Robert Kardashian, right? There was a team effort and I saw that. And then I also knew, I also had, uh, knew Willie Gary. Willie Gary had, had, had done with his Wings of Justice. He had also made an important impact for people, you know, he was fighting for people's civil rights. People have been, um, injured uh, for personal, on personal injury cases you know, on a mass, on a major level. So those guys were extremely like, you know, inspirational for me. And I wanted to be, you know, seen in that light. I didn't care where I got in. Like, and that's to your point, like 
you know, the circumstance did not have to be, you know, I did not, in my opinion, I did not need to sit in um, some big office overlooking some, you know, um, you know, some amazing park or anything like that. I just needed a chance. And I was going to be the best person, lawyer I could be. And that confidence, so what I did was I did, I did things that I knew would raise my confidence. I would go to court for any and everybody at the time. I knew I wanted to be a great lawyer uh, and that was the backbone of it. I promoted the fact that I was an entertainment lawyer, but more importantly, I wanted to be an amazing lawyer. So, you know, people would call me, I would have clients that would call me and they'd be like, hey man, um, I'm a producer. Um, I, can you do my producer agreement? I would say, okay, cool. I would do their producer agreement because that's what I was learning to do. But then they may also feel comfortable and be like, hey man, yo, my cousin just got arrested. Um, we don't know, you know, we don't have any, we need a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Can you, you know, go get them? And I'm like, well, how much money you got? Now, mind you, they only had, I only had, I uh, was getting them like $250 a week or whatever. So, I, you know, once I got my law license, I would go downtown and sign up and stand and deliver, you know, and, and be like, you know, uh, you know, I do an arraignment, you know, and if it was, a, but I also was smart enough to know that if it was a case that was above like my expertise, then I would bring in people that I knew could handle it efficiently and effectively. And, that, and through that process, I learned a lot. I just sat there and learned a lot, just being the junior guy, like learning from guys who would come before me and, and taking my ego and all of that stuff out of it. Cause I knew that this is where it was, this was gonna, one day it was gonna eventually make me one of the greats. You know, that you can't be the great just stepping out there, you know, thinking that you're the great. You gotta learn, you gotta learn your craft, you know? And so that's, that, that was my approach, you know, and, I've, I, I, not, and I share that with people because I, I think, you, you, and I'm sure you've seen this, we see a lot of guys who come out and they want to be the guy immediately. And it's like, you know, listen, you can't, you know, you can, you, I mean, very seldom does it happen that somebody is just steps out there and is the guy. You look at Drake, Drake came in up under the wings of, little, uh, of, of Lil Wayne and, 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 you know, and Baby and Slim and, you know, he paid his dues. I didn't want to pay my dues initially, but I realized over time, I was like, you know what, you gotta humble yourself. You know what I mean? And 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 because these guys are sharing with you this information and and their resources in a way that you know they don't share with everybody else. Now, mind you, you're worthy, because in my instance, I was a I was a lawyer too, right? But that didn't mean I was worthy of the relationships that they were introducing me to or the process that they were introducing me to on how to be successful. And that's what I think a lot of people miss, you know, it's, 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 um, it's one sticking to it, but also, also being humble in your approach and understanding that, you know, it takes time to be great. You can start out, you can want to be great and it has to start there, but you have, you have to understand being great is a process. It's definitely a process. No, it really, really is. And again, I go back to the journey, mm -hmm. the, the, the journey, is where you acquire the wisdom. It's journey where you acquire the experience, for good or for bad. As long mm -hmm. as you don't give up, it's called experience. It's not a loss. Yes. That yes. Is, and, and, and that's the difference. And you know, I, I I like that you say everybody wants to come out out of nowhere and be the guy, yeah. be the girl. They want to sit at the head of the table. Yep. How do you do that with no experience? How yeah. do you do that? And you haven't hit those bumps in the road yet. You haven't had that trial by fire yet. 
You know, it's one of the things I watched one of your interviews, and I can't remember who it was with Prez. Um, and this is more conversational, right? Because which I love about it, I knew how this this interview was gonna be like this. But you 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 interviewed um, damn, I can't remember who it was, but you talked you brought up Puff in particular, and you were you talked about how he's always demonized a lot of times. In my experience in dealing with Puff, he's a very special guy. Right. And he's given a lot of people a lot of opportunity. And I think that a lot of times, you know, he's he's dealt with a lot of jealousy and a lot of people that feel like they can do what he does, but they don't realize they discredit him and don't realize how much how hard it is to, to really get to where he's at. Like he's, 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 he's had some major challenges he's had to overcome in, in, in life and, and, and through his, his pursuit of excellence. Right. And a lot of times I think because, you know, people in our communities sometimes think like, oh, well, you look like me and we're in the same age range. So therefore, you're not doing anything special. I could do what you can do. And it's, it just it just doesn't work like that, man. It does. It never works like that. Right. And um, and so it, 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 it's, it's the same principles, you know, all, all the time. You have to put in your time. You have to put in you have to humble yourself and be ready to go through you know, get punched in the jaw and get back up and keep fighting. Because if you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing to be great. If you think you're going to step in the ring and just knock out Mike Tyson, you know, when Mike has been training all his life, you know what I'm saying? You're out of your mind. You know what I mean? It's just naive, you know, so. We, we, we live in a culture that glamorizes, I'm a boss. We live in a yes. culture that glamorizes uh, you know, and Puff might be part of this, uh, you know, as, as, as much as I, I, I love everything you just said, but Puff, you know, he's selling, he, he, he has, has crafted this image around celebration and, and, uh, affluence, right. and, you know, so people see the bottle popping, people see yep. the money, people see the private jets and the expensive mm -hmm. cars. But what they don't see, even though that is his brand, and we yes. get it, what they don't see are those long, sleepless nights. Yep. All of the many, you know, bumps and bruises and, and, and challenges mm -hmm. that not just a Diddy, but so many others who are now yeah. at the top of the mountain yeah. have taken. How many, you know, times that they probably in, in private have cried or, or yeah. you know, have thought that I got nothing, you know, to, to show for all the hard work I'm putting in, even though the facade on the outside looks great. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know their bank account. We no. don't know all the many bills that they're paying. Yeah. For them to, to, to keep going and never give up. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. So, so I pray that somebody who's watching this Get over yourself. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. Get over yourself. Mm -hmm. Be humble. Yeah. It's okay to have humility, keep your head low, and just do the work because nothing works like the work. It's nothing works like the work. It's it's so it's so crazy because our time like is different now because everything is online. So everybody sees all of your mistakes and all of your successes at the same time, a lot of times. And, yep. and, 
and that's not easy to deal with, you know, but you, you know, those that, that are determined, um, you know, they deal with it and they, and you, and you get past it and overcome it. But yeah, it's, it's just a different time. And then, then, uh, when we were coming up and we're still coming up actually, because we keep reinventing ourselves. Right. Now, so speaking of reinvention, um, you know, it, it, it was on its way for you, uh, mm-hmm. but you really have reinvented yourself, right? Yeah. At one, at one point in your career, people knew you as ESQ, Esquire, yep. attorney. Uh, that, that is James McMillan. Go to him if you need a contract done. Yep. But there are a lot of people today, you're just a plain and simple record exec, businessman, mm-hmm. entrepreneur, mogul, somebody who people are desperately trying to get on your radar because if I can get J- um, James McMillan to, to listen to my music mm-hmm. and, 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 and to take me under his wing, my career is going to blow. So first, I want to congratulate you on all that you're doing with Art at War. Thank you, sir. Appreciate all that you're doing. But for anybody who doesn't know, Art at War has, you know, you you are the, the, the parent company to um, the, the whole YBN crew. Not all me. the YBN kids, yeah. Almighty J, Corday, <laughs> um, Juicy Fruit, just to name a few. Yeah. How, how does that come about? Yep. Because you're now a bona fide record man, first and foremost, right? And 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 I see well, the that, that was intentional too, absolutely. Go ahead. I see the transition somewhere. Yeah, that was intentional too, man. Because I remember, you know, you you managing eight ball MJG to take it back a little okay. bit. But let, okay. let's talk about intention for a second. Right. You said this part of your life was intentional. Tell me about it. So this part, the the the, the management of um, I, I stepped into management and um, and then production. And it was intentional in the sense of part of well, the first part wasn't intentional, right? It just happened in the sense that I um I got a phone call one night to uh um no, I got a phone call actually during the daytime from a young lady who I had been nice to. Uh she worked at a law firm and she was um the law clerk, she was like the secretary, right? And she called me and she was like, hey, I've got these guys that uh, the the partners in my office um, haven't been paying that much attention to, and I really like them, and I feel like they're deserving of more attention. And um, she was like, I think they should, they need a new lawyer. Would you be interested in meeting with them? And I was like, okay, who is it? And she was like, um, it's A-Ball and MJG. Now, mind you, I was in New York at the time, and Southern hip-hop wasn't, uh, was becoming more uh, more dominant, but it wasn't dominant at the time, right? And so I was like, but I went to law school in Houston. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally. So all of those sounds, I was completely familiar with A-Ball and MJG, right? They were legends in my book. So I was like, absolutely, I'll meet with them. So um, I'll never forget this. The night before I was supposed to go meet with them, um, I got a phone call from my ex-girlfriend's friend. And she was like, I'm in New York. Um, It was like one o'clock in the morning. She was like, I'm in New York and my boyfriend um, lock me out the room. I don't know where he's at. He's he's um, I, but they won't let me in the room because my name's not on the room. She was like, you know, can I come by your place and crash? I don't know what time he's coming by. And I was like, all right, okay. So I got up and I was like, I, I'll come get you, right? So because she didn't know where she was at, and I lived in Jersey at the time. So 
I was on my way out the door and then she called me back. She was like, oh, no problem. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I woke you up. He just showed up. Um, hopefully I get a chance to see you while you're here. I was like, while I'm in town, I was like, all right, cool. Went back to bed. Next day I go to the hotel to go meet A-Ball and MJG. When I get there, I'm standing in the lobby, um, waiting for them to show up. And the girl pops up and she's like, oh, what you doing here? She was, I was like, oh, I was like, I, I came to meet these guys. She was like, who? I was like, I came to meet these guys, A-Ball and MJG. She was like, oh, that's crazy. She was like, my, boy, my boyfriend is their producer. She was like, I was like, oh, word. And she was like, yeah, because I was supposed to be interviewing with them. And she was like, come with me. So I walked upstairs and she walked me in the room. She was like, this is, your, this is, this is my boy. This is your lawyer. He's going to be representing y'all. He's the best, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have to say nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's how I started representing them. And, and so, and we built a relationship. And next thing I know, uh, they were like, you know, they, they, they need me to manage them. And, and they were like, yo, can you manage us? And I was like, okay, cool. So I started managing them. Um, I had a relationship with Puff. Um, was like, look, I got them out of the deal with Tony Draper. And I was like, yo, listen, I got these guys. Um, and he was like, yo, who? And I was like, hey, Ballin, he was like, yo, bring them to the office. So, so we, we did that deal. And then we just kept going. And, um, and we sold some records. And that was my introduction to management, right? And so I learned a lot, way more about the music business than I learned just sitting behind a desk doing paperwork. Because at this point, it was it, it became, I saw how it all blended together. Like the, the, the deal points I was arguing about and all this different stuff. Now I saw the practical side of it and why some of the things I was arguing about didn't even make sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it just made my approach different. And I, you know, I encourage anybody, um, if you're a young lawyer and you have the opportunity, you know, if, if you have the, and you have the, the patience for it, Right? If you really want to learn the business, then you should take a chance and possibly manage an act because you will learn so much more in doing that. And, um, and that's, that was my path. And I learned that. And then I realized that um, in large part, you need to own some rights right, in order to really have a real say-so or really to make, you know, to really wheel and deal like you want to. So at the time I was managing rights, but I didn't own the rights. over to production looking for an act to sign and um and i um you know some producers referred me um machine gun kelly and i ended up doing a deal with him and partnering with him on a company we built out a company called est 19xx um partnered with puff and jimmy Iveen, sold a, t a, a ton of records um turned him into a worldwide superstar and um and uh and then in 2017 i decided to start my own company and um it called art at war and was looking for a first act, my first act to sign. And the first act that kind of came on my radar was TK. And then in, the, in my pursuit of, of trying to sign TK, uh, James Prince was, um, was gracious enough to help me try to get him out of a, a terrible situation that he was in. And um, in the course of us doing that, one of Jay's guys called me, my man Guns called me and was like, hey, um, I, I know you're trying to get TK out of jail, um, but there's this other kid named YBN Namir from my hometown that is, you know, doing this, you know, doing the same kind of numbers and he's got the same demographic and you really should take a look at it. And, I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in listening to everything, right? Because you never know where it's going to come from. You know, my grandmother could call me and be like, you know what? 
I got this boy who plays the piano in the church. You need to listen to him. I will listen because I'm not, you know, you never know where it's going to come from, right? So at the end of the day, I took a look at it and was like, oh, snap, this is the same, same like demographics that Tim, that TK was, was, was set, has set on fire. This guy, Wabi and Namir, set on fire. And I, and I, I got in contact with him and his mom. And I think some other people have been trying to sign up before that, but um, they didn't talk to his mom. He was still a minor. So I talked to his mom and, and she was like, you the first person that's called me. And, you know, and that, that was, you know, that was my approach. I knew that from being a lawyer that you got to get the contract affirmed if he's a kid. Right. So um, got with them, um, ended up signing him and, um, and then went to Craig and Julie. And, um, and I, I to told them that I, I was like, listen, I'm a lawyer, but I'm tired of being a lawyer. I was just honest. I was like, you know, this is, it's a, it's, it's, to some degree, it's cool, but I want, I really have found a new passion. I really want to do what you guys are doing. And I think that I could do well with you. And Julie, I'll never forget. She was like, okay, okay, James. And then her and Craig, and they were like, all right, you know, and, and they took a chance. And I, and I thank them for, to this day, for giving me that opportunity. And I did a deal with them, a joint venture with them and, um, and just kept going and kept signing acts and we kept selling records and, you know, I applied the experience that I had with MGK and with A Ball and MJG and all the other people that I represented over the years, and and um, just kept going. And we sold a, a bunch of records since then. So it's been a, it's been a great experience. It's been a, re a really blessed experience too. Okay, you just mentioned Julian Craig. Obviously, yep. I know those names. For anybody watching, can you explain who Julie and Craig are? Okay, Julie Greenwald is, is uh, arguably the most powerful woman in the music business. And she's the chairman, uh, chairwoman of, um, of uh, Atlantic Records. And uh, Craig Coleman is a, is a co-chair of Atlantic Records as well. And, um, and I've known them for, for years as a lawyer, um, but I've, you know, I've done great business with them and, and during the course of doing business, we've built a relationship with them. And, and, um, and uh, so, yeah, that's who they are. Okay. You also mentioned you got a joint venture deal done. Yes. That doesn't just happen. No. You know, for anybody who's watching this, what is a joint venture? Why doesn't it just happen? And how the hell did it happen for you based on one artist? Well, I think in this instance, it was more the relationship. You know, I'd had success with them in the past as a lawyer and as, as a person that they felt that they could get they could good, you know, do good business with, right? And um, and 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 really, that's it. And I, I you know, over the years, I've, I've brought Craig, you know, a bunch of different deals, and um, and helped close deals with them, and and uh, and that's really what it was, man. I, you know, I've had success with them, and I think a lot of people skip over the fact because I think people have asked me this before. They were like, well, why you, you know, you know what, you know what makes you special? I was make what makes me special is my relationships. You know, what makes me special is my approach. And it's not just like I showed up with this guy and I'm a, a guy off the street that they just met yesterday. Like, you know, I, I, we, you know I've had a lot of success over the years and, and I've treated people right and treated people with respect even when I disagree with them, right? And in fact, I think, that, I th I think over the course of my years in, um, in the music space, I, um, I've gone, up, gone above and beyond as a lawyer. Like I'm not the guy, I never built a reputation as the guy who's just sitting behind a desk you know, waiting for the phones to ring. I was always a guy who was proactive. Um, you know, I'd done a, you know, we, I think uh, prior to that, we had 
you know, at a, Todd Moskowitz and Joey Ayi were at Asylum and, and we had done significant business with Swisher House out of, out of Houston and they had Paul Wall and Mike Jones and, and, um, and I'd done great business with them and they were really helpful in, in, in helping, me, helping me be seen as someone um, who wasn't just a lawyer or who was a lawyer who, who would go above and beyond to make the deal happen, right? And, um, and so in that respect, I think um, I, I started to build a reputation for that. And, and that's what really helped me. Uh, the guy who would come to the office and help close the deal for the client in the middle of the night, right? And get things done, not just the guy who's working from nine to five, right? And building that reputation and doing it for years was, was, was I think, were the, one of the things that helped uh, assist me in, in getting to where I, I, I've been, where I am now, actually. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't think people, you know, because anybody would ask that same question. Why mm -hmm. you? Um, mm -hmm. But again, it goes to the journey. Yeah. You know, it really, it, it really, you know, if we're going to have a theme throughout this conversation. It, it, it's the journey, man. You, you just yeah. over the years, you did business, but not just did business. You did good. Mm -hmm. business yeah. With people, even when you disagree with them. Yeah. Uh, but but you were a man of integrity. You put in the work, and when it was time for you to have your own, you can approach the co-chairmen's of one of the most powerful record labels on the planet, Atlantic Records, and say, "Look, this is what I'm trying to do. I know yeah. I have the passion, um, the day-to-day -day passion anyway for law. Mm -hmm. You know, help me out." Yep. I'm bringing quality. I'm bringing value. So it's not like I'm asking for a handout. Exactly. But, and, and I think that it's just so important, to, just some of the, the nuggets that you're dropping for people to listen in on. You don't never know when somebody who you just did good by, yeah. thinking about it, yeah. is going to come to play a pivotal role in your future. Earlier in the conversation, you spoke about a girl who called you up middle of the night and you were about to go and pick up, you know, you're <laughs> Jersey, she's in New York. Yeah. And, and just doing just the gesture. Yeah. The gesture. Okay, not yeah. a problem. Where you at? You're a young lady. I don't want you out in the middle of the night. Yeah. I'll come get you. The very next day, God rewards you for it. So, yeah. You never know, man. That's why I, I, the, the, the overall theme of this conversation, to your point, is again, you never know. And you have to lead with faith. One, you have to lead, lead, lead with, um, and, and that faith will, in my opinion, if you have, if your faith is strong enough, it will diminish the fear. Because all of this stuff is, is you know, you can be afraid. It, it, you know, there's moments at every time that where, you, where things seem uncertain, like you said, you know, we may present well, but we may have two nickels in our pocket, bro. Yep. You know what I mean? At times, and there's definitely been times when I've been faking it till I made it. You know what I mean? So, um, and, I, and I'm not shameful of that. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that at all, because I think that's part of the process. Or should you be? Yeah, that's part of what makes you, makes people understand. You know, I, I, I think like, you know, some of the most, I, I, you know, some of the things I've done, I think that I'm most proud of is I've built some really strong relationships that I'm extremely proud of, people that I feel like I can be, I can be forthright with and tell them, hey, listen, man, 
I'm in a, in a bind. I'm in a, a tough spot. Um, or I've got something really special. Like, you know, we should, you know, I, I, we, we should take advantage of this, right? Or, or take, 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 you know, take the opportunity in this and, and, and really make, make it into something bigger. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a journey. Like you said, it's a journey and it definitely is sometimes, like I was saying about Puff earlier, you get people that like, you know, that, that don't appreciate your journey, no matter where you are in life. And they're like, yo, they think they can, they can do what you do, what you're doing. You're not doing anything special. And maybe, maybe so, but um, the reality of it is, you know, can you sustain it? You know, can you sustain during this journey? You got to go through those hard times in order to have some sustainability, you know, in order to get on, because the hard times are going to continue to come, you know, and you got to be able to, you know, build up a real strong, some stamina to get through this, uh, to, to, to really make it, in my opinion. No, you really do. Um, and that that's something for anybody, like, the hard times are going to continue to come. Yep. There, there is no, I'm going to make it to the other side of this rainbow and it's going to be, you know, uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> like that ain't happening. Nah. It's always going to be very, very tough times. Yep. You never know who you're going to have to reach out to. So it's so important that mm. over the course of your journey, do people right. Treat yep. Respect. I don't care if they are the janitor or they're sitting at the head of the table as the CEO. You just don't know. And it's another thing that uh, I, I, I sat with Amanda Seals uh, a while ago, and she said something, and I, I would love to put it in her words, but I don't remember it verbatim. But mm -hmm. she, she was talking about somebody who she had met on her way up, and mm -hmm. the person had treated her terrible. And mm -hmm. then when she got to you know, where she was trying to go and everybody's screaming her name. She re-met this guy, but he mm -hmm. didn't remember her. And he didn't mm -hmm. remember how bad he treated her. Mm -hmm. And she called him out on her in true Amanda Seals form. She called him right. out on, this is how you treated me. But yep. people think, do you think you're the only person that's trying to get to the top? Do you think that you're exactly. the only person that will be successful just because you're successful now you don't understand my drive. You don't understand my passion. You don't understand where I come from. And I will do anything yep. to, to make sure that my yesterday is not indicative of my tomorrow. So, so great points. Um, another thing that I want to touch on, because we started, you you started, you know, this, this whole audit war. Mm -hmm. uh, it started with one artist, am I correct? It's, it's not yeah, me. It started, yeah, it started with Namir. Yes, exactly. And here's yep. the blessing. Here, here is the blessing. This, this you don't know what God has for you. No. Namir, is it him? But that spawns off Almighty J. Yep. Corday. Spawns Corday. Yep. Yep. Amazingly talented man. Those, you know, like you know, I, I, I you know, it's a blessing. You know, to even be a part of these young men's journey is, is a blessing, to be quite honest, because these young men are, are, are talented and they're anointed and they, you know, they, they are going to be around for a while. They're, so, they're all really young and, um, and they're extremely, extremely bright young men um, that just need the, you know, the they needed an opportunity, right? And they need, you know, they needed some guidance along the way and where we could, you know, we've, we've guided, where we can, we guide them 
to try and help them get to the next level and, and achieve the success and achieve their dreams. And that's really like, you know, that part is, um, you know, is the fun part, right? Because you're helping these young black cats, you know, try to get to where, they, where they're trying to be and, and, and become bosses and kings and, and, you know, guiding them along the way. Because, you know, it's, a lot of us didn't have that, you know, or we had to make it. We had to find it along the way and, and, and make it through patchwork networks, networking, right? But, um, you know, playing a part of their journey is, 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 uh, is definitely a blessing in my book. No, it really, it really, really is. How, how much law do you still do, if any? So interesting fact, I, for the most part, I, I wasn't, I, I fell back from practicing law because the one thing I like, I always, I never forget, I, you know, I want to be a great lawyer. I always want to be seen. I want my legacy to be known as being a, an, an amazing lawyer, no matter if I don't practice law anymore or not. So I fell back off of practicing for the most part. And I've got, you know, um, a, a, a partner, his name is Doug Donison. He handles most of, the, most of the legal work. And every now and then something will come along at a special that acquires my attention that will ask, you know, and, and, we'll, and I'll put my lawsuit back on and, 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 and march forward. And most recently I started representing um, uh, this, this young man who needed my help. Yeah, his name is Bobby Schmurter, right? So I came to New York, I met with him and, um, and, and, and our plan and intention is to, is to sit with it, you know, just to coordinate with his management team to really make sure that he gets the best opportunity to, to, to really become who he can be in today's music market, right? He, he's definitely talented. So um, that's, you know, that, but other than that, uh, you know, I don't really represent a lot of people anymore on the legal side. Okay. Uh, music, it's a young man's game. Mm -hmm. Is it, who do you have on your team who's, I mean, you got a lot of yeah. dope acts. Like, like, is this somebody dedicated? Do you have a dedicated A and R? Is it like, who is picking these acts? Because so again, now you're I mean, a thousand. Yeah. So, so you go back. Let's go back to the broom closet days, right? <laughs> so I'm still, I'm still in the closet with it to some degree, right? And so I don't have a whole big team. It's me, um, Byron Kirkland, uh, Guns. Um, uh, and, and we all sit back and, and, and this kid Ace, who actually referred me Corday, they, they, you know, they, uh, you know, we all kind of work together to kind of help achieve the success. Jay Prince, you know, who comes in as a godfather and oversees and makes sure that, you know, when I, anytime we need any kind of, you know, guidance, he makes sure we don't step in a, in a pothole. Um, and, and then you got Craig and Julie and all those people are, you know, success. You know, I, I, again, I mean, I'm in a broom closet, so I'm putting it all together as we go, but it's been working. And um, I think as we achieve more success, we'll, we'll have the opportunity to bring on more people and give more people an opportunity. Because to your point, it's a young man's game. You got to keep some young, fresh ears, you know, you know that, that are going to be uh, tuned into the street and letting you know what's going on, right? And, and so that's, it's critical. Uh before we conclude, I, I just want to tap into, because you're on both sides. You're on the record side. Uh, you know, you have so much management experience. You have so much law experience. The, the, the whole world is reeling from COVID. Slowly but surely, it's starting to open back up. But, you know, we would be fools to think that, that the world is, is as we have once known it. And I'm saying, right. say, 
many artists, they, you know, they don't necessarily live off royalties. They never had uh, show right. or where they fed their family. But over the course of the last year, many of them have been grounded. Where are they performing? Can you give some advice to, to artists out there? What are some other avenues of, of opportunities that they should be looking into so that they never find themselves back in this position again if they're unable to perform? Are there any, any other avenues or, or revenue streams or things that you think that artists uh, should be looking into to, to make sure that they have money coming in, even when they can't physically go out there and touch the stage? I think that a lot of young artists um, need to realize that, yes, times have changed. And in order for them to be successful, they have to stay consistent. The, the internet has made it very um, challenging to break, to cut through right? Because everybody is like, a, you know, I think, you know, there's a, there's a gang of records coming out every week, right? And so in order to, for you to kind of make some noise, you have to stay consistent. So I think that in order to get to a point where the phones are going to be, you're going to be in the incoming call business, meaning calls are coming in, people are saying, hey, we want artist X to perform on our stage um, uh, next week or next month and we are willing to pay him or her uh, X amount of dollars, right? In order for that to happen, you have to make some significant noise. In order to make significant noise, you have to drop consistently, meaning that you need to have something in the marketplace coming every, I would say, 30 to 45 days, right? 45 days being the max. Something needs to come out every 30 days song, video, freestyle, um, um, cover, um, something online that you can share with your fans or feed to your fan base every you know, 30 days or so. Um, and, and until something connects. And when it connects, if it connects, you know, but at the same time, not only just dropping something, but you also have to do the work behind it. Meaning like you have to feed it to your fans. You have to, you know, um, you know, be in contact with your fans. I ask this of my artists all the time or and, and new artists all the time. Do you know who your number one fan is? Most people don't know who their number one fan is. They haven't taken the time out to see who's the person that's the most vocal person in their like hemisphere. It's like, oh my God, I love you. Oh my God, I'll do anything. That person, you want them to be your biggest champion and, 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 and you should be interacting with them. They should be the person that gets the music first possibly or they're seeding it to everyone else. Maybe they're the president of your fan club, but, but take the time out to take a, a, make a really smart approach to build your base. I think in today's climate, a lot of people from, suffer from wanting like popcorn success, meaning like microwave popcorn. You put it in the mi microwave, boom, it's, it's arrived. No, it, it, it generally doesn't work like that. Nine times out of 10, you, there's a lot of work that needs to be put in in order for people to get to know you. Because again, remember every Friday, I think Spotify is like, it's like 60 some odd thousand artists that are dropping new music every Friday. Like, yep. how do you think you're gonna cut through if you know, you're just dropping one record and being like waiting, sitting back waiting for you know, success to call you? That's, it just doesn't work like that. You know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so, um, 
How do you increase your chances for the phone to, for the for the phones to ring to be in the incoming call business? It's, it's consistency. It's consistency. How do you afford to drop music and drop videos every every other week or every 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 thirty days? You got to build a team. You got to take your time out to find out who those people are that are along your journey that are willing to work possibly for free. Possibly those people that are do, would do what I did years ago and be the guy who makes $250 a week. You know, that, that like do it, do it for a minimum because they really just want to learn and they want to be in the business and they want to assist and, and play their part. That's not an easy process. That's not an easy process. And, and, and the greats have done it along the way. You know, the greats who have done it before me, you know, whether it be Ahmed Erdogan, whether it be Craig Coleman, whether it be Julie Greenwald, whether it be John Janik, whether it be Jimmy Iovine, whether it be uh, Puff or, or, or Jay Prince, James Prince, or, or, or Slim and Baby, you know, they've all taken the time out to build a crew that will, you know, of people that are dreamers that really wanted to be and take, take things to the next level. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. Cause that's not the part you see on TV. That's not the part, that's not the part that they play in the video. You don't see that part. And that is where the magic is made. And that's where the big bucks are made. If you can do that, then you, you, can, you can find success. Success will find you. You will be in the incoming call business. And that's a sweet business to be in. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, okay, I want you to put your, your, your law hat back on for one second. Okay. I'm a young artist, or maybe yeah. I'm an established artist. If I'm vetting out a new lawyer, mm -hmm. what are some key questions I should be asking? What are some criteria well, I should be looking for? The one thing you want to know, know is, um, uh, one, do you, can you, do you have the expertise to do what I need you to get done, right? First. Second, what is your retainer, right? Are they going to do, is there a retainer agreement? Are they going to do it on contingency? How do they get paid? So there's no dispute on that. Um, third, um, you know, well, well, I think part of one and one A is: Do you have the do you have the expertise to get to to do what I need to get done? And I would say two: Do you have the relationships to, to do what I need to get done? Right? Because depending on what level you're playing at, you know, you may hire a new lawyer, but the new lawyer may be a guy who, you know, is trying to be in the entertainment business, but it was really not an entertainment in, uh, like any entertainment business, and therefore he may be able to read how, you know, what, your, what, what a contract is supposed to, how it's supposed to read and, and say, well, listen, these things are missing from a contract or should be included. Um, but they, you may not have the relationships to, put, to actually push things forward for, for, uh, for, for someone. Um, so I think those are the three, three, three critical things. Do you have the know-how? Do you have the relationships? And then how much, what's your fee? Got you. We in hip hop, we just lost two, uh, you know, two iconic figures uh, who made incredible music. We're, we're, we're seeing a lot of our heroes leave. What is your thoughts on the passing of DMX? I know Matt Middleton, you work closely with him through Matt Middleton. Uh, yep. Also Black Rob, you had a relationship with him when, when you were doing so much yep. with, with Puff. What is the your bad boy. Yep. This is really sad. I think um, the overall arching theme, I think, uh, which is critical, and I, I, was, I was talking to some people over at Atlantic about this, is, is uh, I think that we need to suss out or figure out a way to help some of our um, people get either the mental help they need 
or the uh, really it's it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like a health plan and really get them to, to, to like buy into it in the sense of they have to participate in it. Cause some of these, some of our people suffer from, you know, a lot of our people suffer from mental illness. Some people also suffer from addiction, right? And, and those things are, are really sad, whether it be alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, whatever the vice is, um, it, it has a potential to change, you know, um, your health. And, 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 and as we get older, our health, you know, the things that, that we thought may have been cool back in the day and, you know, getting drunk and, or smoking, you know, whatever it is you're smoking or whatever, those things, you know, when they become addictive, they can be really dangerous, you know? And I think that um, if you don't seek or get the right help, then it can be problematic. And in addition to that, the mental help that we need, because as a people, as black people, a lot of times we suffer from a lot of trauma, right? And, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's unspoken. We don't talk about it. You know, we don't want to, we don't want anybody want to let anybody know, you know, it's, it's taboo to say I'm, I'm getting, you know, psychotherapy or anything like that. And we really need a lot of our people really need help. And, um, and I think that that, those, those things really need to be addressed and um, in a meaningful way. Um, Cause we, I think there's, you know, those of us who are journeymen who have been in the business, who have had success have, have have all come across people that you're like, wow, this, you know, I love this guy and I love his music, but this guy needs help. You know what I mean? He's, and you know, and and you see people act out all the time, whether they're like, you know, uh, flying off the handle or, you know, um, you know, doing things that you're like, what? what's wrong with this guy? And we like applaud it sometimes. Or like, oh, it's funny, it's cool. But it's really not cool. They need, these people need help. They need help, man. And um, whether they're willing to get it or not, I think, you know, it seemed, you know, it seemed like, you know, like from what Kim Kardashian was saying, Kanye needed help. Like, yep. you know, he's in our face now and he's one of our heroes, right? And, um, you know, it, but but these, you know, people need help and, and it's up to us to try and help them find the help that they need. Agreed, agreed. James, thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, I, I love your story. I know that you're gonna help so many people who tune in and watch um, this interview or listen to it in podcast form. So I thank you for your openness. Where can people find you, James? Um, call my office, 212-986-6262 or email me and uh, james.mcmillan at jempc.com. You're the first person who ever gave a direct number. I thought you were going to give your Instagram. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know what? My office number has been, I've been, I, and I'm listed. And, you know, so it's like, you know, you can call me. And the one thing that I've done is I've, I've kind of like, you know, I, I, I take pride in the fact that I can, my betting system is pretty good. Like I, you know, I, I get on the phone with you for a few minutes, but if it's not going anywhere, I, I have a, a way of, respectfully getting off the phone too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but James, uh, you know, I love, you know, th th this this second act um, in terms of, of your career in music. I love the transition. I love that you are brave enough. And, and I think, you know, I would have loved to spend more time on that. It's not easy. A lot of times people work for many, many years and they're doing one thing and that's what everybody knows them as. And that's right. what bills so they're afraid to to jump out there and try something new they're afraid to to take a bold step into their passion into their purpose and i love the fact that you're doing it and you're highly successful but more important that you were willing to share be open and honest 
Uh, you are a true power move maker, and I thank you so much for your time. Press, thank you so much for your support, man, and thank you for having me. I appreciate you, brother. All right. Keep going strong, bro. I'm trying. I'm trying. Continue blessings and success. One love, my man.